God wants us to walk this journey intentionally. So we have Wally and Shirley this morning. I'm going to ask them a few questions, but before I do that, Wally, can you stand up here, please? I mean, you have to, you see what rest does for a man. I mean, look at this guy. Just come, come stand in the front. We have 2015's latest version of the hipster shoe. Actually, what we need here, Wally, we need to just roll this up one like that. Just got to see. There. Okay, there we go. Just some of the young guys can advise me. Stu, how am I doing? And actually, yeah, we've got to, got to do this. Thank you, Mark. Just one more. Wait, Wally, Wally, Wally. You can't. Okay, the other one, the other one. There we go. There we go. Shirley, control yourself. Isn't he good looking? Okay, now we're ready to go. This is Wally 2.0. Top button. Oh, there we go. There we go. Sorry. Breathe in, Wally. Breathe in. I can't do that. It doesn't fit. <laughs> Sorry, we'll have to work on that one. We apologize to the hipsters in the room. And, um, but but uh, this is really exciting. Maybe just tell us, uh, obviously, lots happening in the family. So before anything, tell us about the big news of Laurel and what's happening there and your excitement. Can I just take one mini Go step big. back? Go big. Is firstly, it is such a delight to be here and to see everybody. It's just so special just to be able to come in and just see not only the familiar faces, but the new faces. It's just wonderful to see the passion and the enthusiasm and the excitement for Jesus and, and for kingdom endeavors. And just to be able to see you all here this morning just delights my heart. And I want to say, Mark, eldership team, well done. You guys are doing a stunning job, and I want to commend you. Well done. Let's give them a round. I just want to say it feels like coming home. It's good. I think just to be able to see everybody and just see you zealous and just to, to connect with you face to face is really just special. We're looking so forward to this morning and it's brilliant to be here. Thanks, Mark. And then our beautiful daughter. Yeah. <laughs> you saw her just now. We have just been, we anticipated um, when Mauritius uh, an engagement, so we came back kind of very excited. Um, and I think we are just so happy um, delighted at who God has brought into our daughter's life. We see a man who loves our daughter, and that's what every parent wants, is to see a man who loves their daughter and is bringing out, and what I love about their relationship is I love seeing how they bring the best out in each other. I love seeing how much fun they have. They are always laughing and having good fun, and I think it's just, it's such an inspiration to me. So, yeah, we are absolutely, absolutely delighted. Yeah, if I could just say, I remember when we arrived back from Mauritius, Nick said, Wally, I'd like just to take you, let's go for a coffee and, and a chat. And I was bursting on the inside saying, come on, when are you going to ask me, you know? <laughs> and so we, we were sitting there chatting, and I could just see him tremble, a little quiver in his voice. And when he asked me, I was just, just jumped up and gave him a big hug, and I said, man, you are so absolutely yes, yes, yes. But then he said, Wally, you've got to keep it quiet. I said, that's torture. That's torture. So I promised I wouldn't tell anybody that I knew. 
but I had the privilege of telling I don't know how many strangers. <laughs> so anybody, anywhere, I said to them, I've got such cool news. And I tell you, my daughter's getting engaged. She's such a cool guy. And I told her, I don't know how many people, I thought they must have looked at me like I'm loopy. But anyhow, we had fun. But Nick, firstly, crept into our home, and then he crept into our fridge, and then into our hearts. And we deeply love him and really, really just so enjoy him. And he's totally at home in our home. When he can stand in front of the fridge and help himself to my leftovers, then you know he's crossed over. Good. It's good. It's exciting. We celebrate with the family. Absolutely. How old were you when you came, when the church was planted, Laura? Ten. Oh, eight. Eight. It's an amazing thing. Plant yourself in the house of the Lord. Plant your kids. Why do we worship with our children in the service Absolutely. right now? Mm. I want my kids to learn how to worship Jesus from me. Mm. I, I, I love the fact that people put their hand up and say, we'll teach our kids, we'll bless them, we'll teach them about Jesus, but I want them to learn how to worship Jesus from me. And so it's an amazing thing to see the fruit of someone planted in the house of the Lord. So we celebrate with you. But, but it's been four months, and um, it's gone quickly. And, but tell us some of the highlights, tell us some of the journey. Um, I did get a story from a friend of Wally's named Nick Hardy, and he said Wally would go out on his pedal ski out to a reef, he borrowed a pedal ski from someone, and then... The, the Coast Guard got worried because they just saw the ski floating for like hours. And Wally had tied himself with a rope to the ski so it didn't float away. And then for about four hours, so the Coast Guard came up and like had to pull this guy up by the rope. Are oh, you right down there? Wally came up. Hello. And back. And, uh, but tell us about some of the highlights. A real privilege to have an amazing adventure like that. Yeah, to me, it was an amazing God-orchestrated, God-arranged time away. And... It just beautifully coincided with our 30th wedding anniversary. And so it was a wonderful, special time for Shirley and I just to share away in Mauritius and then down in Black River Tamarin where the the local church was, but just to be able to share. And I remember when we first started dating and courting, we used to walk on the beach in Mshlanga Rocks, just the two of us, and we got married. And now, 30 years later, just the two of us walking, different beach, different place, but just sharing life and hugely privileged to have had Shirley alongside me. And I know I'd be nowhere if it wasn't for the Lord and for Shirley, um, just us partnering together. So that was a, a huge privilege as part of our, our time away. Also, just with reference to be able just to be refreshed and just to be able to enjoy Uh, visiting another nation and just to be able to be and see the beauty of what God's created there and the people. But love, I'll let you continue. You know what I um, enjoyed the most about our holiday was actually having no agenda. Um, For the first time, I saw Wally waking up in the morning. Well, it took him a little while. It took him about (laughs) three weeks to wake up with no agenda. Um, But when when he did, it was just so wonderful to say, oh, what what do we feel like doing today? And sometimes we would just get in a car and just drive and stop at bays, um, swim, have a picnic, sleep, read, get up, explore, find a restaurant. It was so wonderful just to be able to be. And I think in just being able to be, it was incredibly, incredibly refreshing. 
And then you find God just dropping things in your heart in the most natural way. And so I love just being able to, to be and have fun with my husband. The first, it's the first time I've seen him sit and watch when we had the cyclone and we couldn't go out because there you have to bolt down. You're not allowed to sometimes drive if it really gets bad. Um, it wasn't quite that bad, but it was like a 50-knot or 60-knot wind, which is just a little bit stronger than a southeaster, but it's bigger there. Um, we were inside, and I saw my husband flicking the channels for the first time in 30 years of being married. He didn't know how to use the remote, so I actually had to teach <laughs> how to use the remote. <laughs> and yeah, and it was the first time just seeing him sitting there and just... Totally, totally relaxing. So it was wonderful. I think one of the things I had to learn, Eugene sort of had a chat with me a couple of months before I left. He said, Wally, I've never seen you do nothing. I said, what do you mean? He says, you're always busy doing this, going here, going there, this meeting, that meeting, preparing. I said, what do you mean? You've got to find your nothing box to be refreshed and recharged. And I must say, it was very difficult to find because that box was very small. And it was very hidden. But I eventually began to find that I can just be still, breathe, relax. And there were times on the beach, she said, what are you doing? Just nothing. What are you thinking? Nothing. <laughs> and it was just so cool. And so I found the box, Eugene. I need to tell you, I found it. And I'll make sure I don't lose it. <laughs> it's good. I mean, some, of the, some of the agenda we spoke about, is, it was rest and re- resource at this sort of time. Maybe just give us some highlights. Um, I know you've listened to an army of preachers, read books. Um, while he went with a whole army prepared from Batala and the team. So tell us some of the things that God's been speaking as well, maybe even. Yes, um, he did a lot of that. Um, if I get too excited, please just, <laughs> if I end up preaching, yeah, I'll just kind of <laughs> put boundaries there. But there were two things. Um, I read a book. Um, called Change Agent, and it's about engaging your passion to change a culture. And I think God spoke so much to me through that. First of all, he takes the life of Joseph, and he explains some of the processes that Joseph went through um, in preparation to become a culture changer. And I just found that in reading this book, so much of what we'd gone through began to make sense for me. Um, It was quite incredible. And I just want to read one quote from the book where it says, um, your process is designed to develop the muscles you will need to sustain the weight of your destiny. Your process is designed to develop the muscle you will need to sustain the weight of your destiny. And so that was quite profound for me, and I just began to look at what is those muscles that God has been creating over the years, Um, and one of them is to have faith in perseverance, because sometimes we just hang on, (laughs) but we don't actually have faith while we're persevering. So there was something I felt, a muscle that God has developed in my life for my destiny. Um, The other muscle, which I think every one of us needs to develop, is the muscle of love and forgiveness. And that love is not the love as love your neighbor as yourself, but that love is the love that says a new commandment I give to you to love one another as I have loved you. 
to love others the way Jesus loves us, not the way we love ourselves, because that's very limited. It will be very superficial. It will have its, yeah, its boundaries. Um, so that love and forgiveness is a muscle that needed to be developed for the destiny that God has. Um, the other muscle I feel like sometimes God develops in the process of our destiny is learning obedience. It says that Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. So often in our hardships, again, we just go through our hardships, but we're not learning something from it. And we need to learn obedience. Because when I began to look at Jesus' life, I looked at Adam, it was through one act of disobedience that the human race fell. But through one act of obedience, Mm. everything was restored back to us. It's incredibly powerful. And so the muscle we need to develop as Christians, mm. is, the, is the muscle of obedience. Mm. Even when we don't understand, are we obedient to the will of God? Are we obedient to the word of God? Are we obedient to the purposes that mm. God has called us to? Um, and then the other thing is um, submission to God, the muscle of submission to God. Are we fully submitted to God? Because you will never have authority if you don't learn to submit. It says submit to God. Resist the devil, and then he will flee from you. We will have authority to change cultures and atmospheres if we learn how to submit to God. And that submission looks something like total abandonment of love. Mm. A total abandonment of love to our Jesus. Because mm. he's so worthy of it. He's so worthy of it. And then a total abandonment to his purposes. Mm. Um, no matter how hard sometimes the process mm. might be. It's total abandonment. Um, and so I could carry on talking. That's, good. <laughs> that's, that's, cool. that's the book that God spoke to me in my re- for my rebooting time. What he spoke to me personally from the word of God is he dropped into my heart. So am I taking too long? No, go for it. Um, the other thing he dropped into my heart was that he said, Shirley, you're a friend. Friend of God. And I've known intimacy. I love it being intimate with Jesus. I think there's nothing better in this world, (laughs) nothing more satisfying than knowing Jesus and being intimate with him. But he began to teach me something new, and I'm still learning, and this is my process, I'm still learning. He said, look at Abraham and look at Moses. They were both a friend of God, and one stood in the gap for a city. Abraham stood in the gap for a city, Sodom and Gomorrah, Moses stood in the gap for a nation. I'm calling you to be a friend that stands in the gap for a nation and for a community. And it's something that I know, I just don't even know sometimes where to begin. It's so big, it's so exciting. But I want to learn how to fall face down and call out to God for a community that it would be transformed Mm -hmm. and to see a nation transformed. And I looked at Moses and I saw every time that people grumbled, every time they moaned, every time they criticized, etc., it says his first reaction, it says he fell face down. And I thought, Jesus, that's how I want to be. I want to fall face down. When this nation grumbles, I want to fall face down. And I want to call on you for this nation to see God invade it. Good. Um, 
yeah. So what that looks like, I'm still learning, but I'm excited about the journey. I'm asking God to link my heart with people that have a like mind in that area that we can pray together. Because I do realize you don't change a nation on your own. You never, nothing's ever done on your own. It's done in a team. It's done with like-hearted and like-minded people. So I'm asking God to link me with people like that. So, so much. I'm just <laughs> amazed at what, how God speaks. I primarily just stayed in the Gospels and in the book of Acts. I said, Lord, I want to read it and reread it till I smell the sweaty disciples and I feel the dust of the roads they walked. And as I began to read it, I said, Lord, what were some of the keys that they had that turned the world upside down? And I just sensed the Lord saying, Wally, in those days, there were more disciples than there were believers. Because it's disciples that change the world. But today we've got more believers than disciples. And I began to start asking God, how can we change believers to be those radical disciples that transform culture, communities, societies, and cities? And as I began to ponder and reflect, there's that wonderful verse in Peter's preach in the book of Acts chapter 3, verse 36, where he proclaimed Christ as both Savior, Messiah, and Lord. And believers have just stopped at Jesus being my Savior. Because the last words of Jesus as Savior on the cross was, it is finished. But the last words of Jesus, the resurrected Lord and Savior, Lord, was all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And disciples are people that have submitted their all to all of his authority and power. And they say, all of me for you. Jesus, you rule over me and you own me. And when you become owned and ruled by him, you in a sense become Christ-possessed. And it's Christ-possession that turned the world upside down. And I just began reflecting upon that in a fresh light and manner of way of how to transition believers into disciples and then from a personal point of view, I was again just reflecting in some of the Old Testament and, and I was really just stirred how of God's passion for Israel and how the Bible says he brought Israel out of Egypt on eagles' wings. It's there in the book of Exodus chapter 3, I think verse 19. It says he brought them to himself. And I just began to reflect on that word. It says he carried them. Hebrew word is NASA, N-A-S-A, which means to be lifted up, to be exalted. It's interesting, the American Space Agency, NASA is their, 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 their sort of headquarters, head office. And I just began to reflect of God that I want to live my life, firstly, with an eagle view, heaven's perspective on earth. But so often we live life from an earth view of things instead of from an on top kingdom perspective and then interesting thing later on just before God was going to take the children of Israel into the promised land he used the same word carry but in a different context he said that he's going to carry the nation of Israel into the promised land as a father carries a son Deuteronomy 1 verse 30 31 it's there 
And it's interesting, that word here in Manasseh is the same thing, except God was saying to Israel, I'm going to carry you on my shoulders into the promised land. I'm going to carry. And so the giants that you're facing now, when you live life on my shoulders, my authority, my strength, you're going to be taller than them. You're going to have my authority to conquer and overcome them. That's why you don't have to be afraid I'm with you. So I've purposed to live my life on his shoulders, carried on eagle's wings, living life from heaven's perspective, not earth's perspective. If I could just take one of the things that were most meaningful to me from a personal point of view. Cool. Cool. Uh, sure, you send some preachers to an island for a while, see God says stuff, huh? <laughs> sure, we could be here for a while. Yeah, it's a dangerous thing. Uh, what did God say in four months of sitting on a beach? Well, quite a bit. Um, <laughs> but I mean, most of us, and myself included, all we know about Mauritius is the latest travel specials we walk past when we walk into Bayside to get there, and the pictures they show there. But, but actually, it's an island with... Local people and, and, and in industries and stuff. Tell us a little bit the island, and then, uh, but actually, maybe tell us more about the church and what, what God's calling you to there for this, this three months. If I could say it's truly postcards, the way you see it, the island on postcards, it's like that. But that's the waterfront, the beach, the hotels. But just behind the hotels is a road, and that separates the very average and the, just where the normal people live. From the ocean side, it's first world. Beyond, it's, it's third world. And there's huge contrast. Huge contrast. <coughs> and our hearts were always drawn to the third world. And our hearts would just want to be with the local people and to connect with them and engage with them and chat together with them and befriend them. And we found a great thrill in doing that because that's where, it, where the rubber meets the road. Talking about local now, just um, just a little bit of information about Mauritius mm. is the unemployment isn't actually that high. It's only two um, percent unemployment, which is actually amazing compared to our country. But the thing is, though, most people are literally living just below the breadline or above the breadline, um, and so yeah, it's to really see that that poverty is 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 kind of lift, they lifted from that. But one thing I uh, didn't see was beggars, which was quite interesting. They really are, they try and be an entrepreneurial people, and I was actually quite impressed by that. You will see um, a local just selling something from his backyard. So he'll buy a few goods, buy a few vegetables, and sell them. And he's making a living that way. As, as, my, as small as it might be, they actually try and be entrepreneurial. So I was, I was very impressed by that. Um, as far as um, the country itself, it's 90% Hindu, um, about 3% Muslim, hey, 2 or 3% Muslim, um, and then the rest is made up of um, Christians, probably religious people who don't really haven't encountered God, um, Chinese, and what folk and what they believe, because um, that's quite a big thing, Chinese celebration. So, yeah, it's, as much as it's luxurious and everything's oh, so exciting to go to Mauritius, it's not necessarily the easiest place to live in, because you sense the hardship, you sense the heaviness. Um, 
But then that's where the greatest darkness is, is where the greatest light can shine. <laughs> and so we're so excited to see what God can do in the nation of Mauritius, on the island of Mauritius. Yeah. I know for us, to me, uh, Mauritius is roughly 90 kilometers from the top to the bottom, from the north to the south. It's roughly from here to Krabo. It's the length and the width is maybe 30 kilometers. And so it's not a very large island, very tropical, very hot, very humid, mm. a lot of mosquitoes. <laughs> you left the Mauritian haka. You just go, Hitting mosquitoes. I've, I've never killed three mosquitoes with one hit before. And you won't believe it or not, normally my routine is out of bed, make coffee. I get out of bed, spray myself, then I make coffee. Otherwise, I'll get bitten too many times before my cup of coffee. Um, uh, to me, the, the, the culture is, is so interesting. Yeah. Uh, being French, also on a Sunday you got 50% South Africans, expats, the church, and then the, the rest are French-speaking Mauritian. And the challenge is there, you always want to get drawn to the comfortable, where you've got similar culture, similar, you know, certain spots. And that's something we really, we're wanting to break that divide down for us to be able to learn from one another. And one of the things we're going to do, even though it's just three months, we're going to go for French lessons. We want to embrace the culture. We want to let three months be so impactful it would be like we're there for three years. And we want to embrace both the expats as well as the Mauritians and trust to be able to build bridges, not only just in Tamarind Bay, Black River, where the area is, but with other local churches in the area and, most importantly, with Life Changes Church. Um, Cedric, that's Ron's son, Ron and Carolyn are here, dear friends of ours. Their son is part of the church, works for the church. He's coming over in July, and he heads the youth and um, connecting him with Tyler and the other youth. And to me, God's into building bridges and breaking down walls. And that's one of our goals to do that, is for us to be able to impact the church, the community, the island in some way that long after we've gone, we've deposited something of the kingdom of God that will be able to spread and go further, far beyond us. Mm. That's good. That's good. And uh, in this journey... Um, we here, we your family, we want to send you out well. What can we pray for in terms of this would be a successful time? This is, this is not some uh, church pastor tourism. They're going there to work. They're going there to love people, to build foundations into the church. It takes a specific skill set um, that Nick and the team that have been involved believe it, a couple that's been in ministry for 30 years and have planted churches and done things like that can really help in this context. That's why they've been asked and not other people. But tell us how we can pray for you during this time and what we can pray for. You know, if I could just rewind a moment, the fascinating thing is Nick Hardy, whose mom is in the church, who must be in her 80s, was one of this prayer that started a prayer group with another number of ladies that started the church. Now, Mish Hardy, 35, 36 years ago, led Shirley to the Lord. So we actually have in the congregation the very lady that led Shirley to the Lord. And that's so special and precious. And so we, we sit there looking over these beautiful people thinking, wow. And I would say the prayer for us is that our short time there would be so maximized and impactful mm. with reference to the word of God being preached and taught with clarity, anointing, mm. and power.
coupled together with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that there would be notable signs and, and miracles that would, would, would have a voice of their own. Was whenever I walk past a cripple in the street or somebody that's blind or somebody that's limping, I'm saying, Lord, is this the, 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 the man at the gate beautiful mm. of Black River that could open up this whole area for the king and the kingdom? Yeah. You know, whenever I'd see a withered hand, I said, Lord, is this the hand that you're going to touch that's going to open up this area? And so I would just say for God's great anointing, for the preaching, teaching, ministering, plus relationally for them to receive us as we open our hearts to them, that there would be quick, real relationships built, that there isn't the hesitancy, and also just for favor in the community, really trusting for favor with prominent, significant people who themselves carry weight, that God could put his weight to it, that could impact in a greater way. Um, uh, those, those are the things that, and also open doors, you know, because we can bang on doors, knock on doors, but when God opens a door and he goes through before, mm. it's phenomenal what he can do. Mm. And just for divine appointments that would just usher in the kingdom of God in a, in a very real, in a big way. I think for me, one word, um, just praying for the church and what our purpose would be there as I felt the word to empower. Um, so what that looks like, if you can pray for us, that God shows us what it means to empower them because we will leave, but they will carry on <laughs> the work, that God would refresh them in the vision and their purpose as the bride of Christ in, in, in Mauritius. So, yeah, if you, if you could pray for us for wisdom on how to empower them. That's good. Um, that's so good. that's the one word that I felt. I'd love us to uh, pray for you. I'd love your nothing box friend to come and pray for you. <laughs> and, and maybe Ron and Caroline who know the church and Cedric, your son, say, won't you come pray for William Shores? Can we stand together? This is, you know what, we can, we can do things, we just carry on. This can become a corporate move. Or as a family, we are sending out. As a community, we are releasing. Because this is Book of Acts stuff. Yeah. Yeah. What you're seeing here is not an executive move within the church, is, is not some sort of package. It's Book of Acts stuff where God's saying, there's my people there. I need to send them a gift. I need to send them someone for this time. So Paul went in and Acts, but, but at this time, it's Wally and Shirley going in as carriers of the, of the Spirit of God and the life of God. So... Why don't you pray for them quick, just and, and support, and, and let's gather around. Lord, thank you that we can, as a church, also say, yes, be God. with Wally and Shirley in the next three months. Thank you for your wisdom for them. And Lord, thank you for your favor that you're going to open the doors, you're going to open their hearts, mm. and that you're going to be with them, and that you're going to be daily just comfort them in terms of what they're going to do and how they're going to land your kingdom for those people. Thank you for your favor. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your protection over them. And Lord, again, I'm asking for wisdom for each day that they know how to handle that specific situation with your godly wisdom. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord.
Lord, we just thank you that you prepare the hearts and you prepare your people, Lord. And as you've prepared Wally and Shirl and, and opened this way for them to go to Mauritius and brought them to Black River Church, we also know, Lord, that you're preparing those hearts there, Lord Jesus. And we just ask that it wouldn't be a preparation that's outward, Lord, but it would be a preparation on, on your foundation, Jesus. And that people already would be looking to the cross, Lord, and looking and seeing you and would see situations through you, Lord Jesus, and that self would be put away, Lord. And I just ask for the courage and, and the boldness, not only for Wally and Shaw, but for each person, Lord, that they're going to be touching, that they'll be empowering through you, Jesus, that they can be lifted up, and that when Shaw and, and Wally leave there, Lord, that there, there won't be a void, but there'll just be a strong fortress for you, Lord Jesus. We ask your precious name. Amen. Lord, I just thank you for Wally and Shirley. And <clears throat> I remember this day, Ron and I was at Black River Church, Lord, and you showed me this picture of this little light shining for you in Black River. And I know now, Lord, I just pray that this little light is going to be a huge, big light, Lord, that's going to shine for you through Wally and Shirley. And I just pray and thank you for everything, Lord, that you do there. Amen. Wonderful. Why don't you take your seats? I'm going to speak for eight minutes. Have you got eight minutes for me? Think we can do it? Okay. So, eight minutes. Oh, I'm hearing you can't do that. That's what I heard right now over there. The Lord, deal with that man. Repentance and condemnation. Heavy. <laughs> but um, so I have prepared for longer than eight minutes. But we are starting a new series. Go. The series has started. <laughs> and we are starting a series in the book of Ephesians. And I'm very, very, very excited. Can we have up the first slide, please? As, we, as I somehow navigate notes that are a lot more than three hours. When you see the book of Ephesians, the book of Corinthians, the book of 1 Timothy, Timothy is a person. Ephesians is based in a city and it's to a church in Ephesus and that place still exists today. It's no longer a viable city, it is ruins about 30, 40, 40 minutes inland from another city. It used to be on the ocean, it used to be a massive port with lots of culture and money moving through this port as it was a port city and, and a vibrant city years and years ago. Today, it is a few kilometers from the sea as the, the water levels have shifted and there's been silting in that place. But I wanted to put up this map to show this was the area in which Paul played. This is the area when you see the book of Acts and he says he went, was it Troas? Troas is up there. He came from Antioch where he was based out of much of his ministry. Antioch is not on this map. Antioch is just, just off the map to the right. It's there. It was there. And, and you'll see Rome is up at the top there, up on the top left. I should have a pointer. There's the little boot of Italy. He was in Rome. That's where he was imprisoned for two years. He wrote the book of Ephesians in prison to the people in Ephesus when in prison in Rome. Just so you know, these are real stories, real places. They've got faces to them. When he wrote Priscilla and Aquila, they were real people. They were tent makers just like Paul. They were business people like you and me. They were used powerfully by God. 
So when we talk about Corinth, down at the bottom, there's Corinthians 1 and 2. That's where all sorts of chaos was going on. So he sends them a letter of love to go and impact and change. Can we have the next slide, please? And we'll see some of the main players highlighted here. We have Rome, and, and that's where Paul spent his two years under house arrest. And he wrote to the church of Colossae. He wrote to Philemon, um, Ephesus, and Philippi. He wrote those books in prison. We think, oh, well, wonderful to be an apostle. Really? Go to prison. You get a pen and paper, and that's how you serve the church. It's an amazing thing. Then he goes to Colossae. He writes Colossians, and he goes on this amazing journey. Um, Antioch is off on the right there again. We left them off. Philippi, Ephesus, right in the middle of Asia Minor. Just so you know, it's a real place. Just some more pictures. We go to the next slide, and we can shoot through these. These are the ruins of Ephesus that if you got the privilege to travel there, they're real. People walked those streets. People did business there. People lived there. The next slide, please. This is an ancient library, and just the front facade still exists. It was a double-story library that existed in the days of Paul. It's 2,000 years old, still standing. It's unbelievable. And we walk, and, and the next slide, please. Um, these are the streets, and these are the ruins of the streets, and you can walk these ruins as, you, as the area around has been built up and the ruins have come down. The next slide. What the city was famous for as part of, they were a port city, so they had lots of money coming through. They were also famous for culture. Because they were a port city, all these cultures landed in one place. A lot like Cape Town, where people come from all over the world, and they come to one place. And you know what happens when cultures come together? You get all sorts of different spirituality. And Paul writes, and he has to say, well, what? To, to what spirit? Did you, did you get paid, baptized by the Holy Spirit? He's trying to decipher, because in this place of Ephesians, there is a melting pot of culture, and there's a melting pot of all sorts of spirituality, and Christianity has just become part of it. And Paul goes in and he preaches for two years. And one of the key things is this temple of Artemis, who in the middle of the temple of Artemis, what was heralded in the temple of Artemis was Diana, this goddess. And Diana had, it was a sect, it was a religion all in itself, and it was a powerful religion because it not only held people spiritually because she was the goddess of, of fertility, she was the goddess of abundance. So people ran to this temple, got involved in this cult because they were seeking abundance. It was also a religion underpinned by financial wealth. They owned property, they owned a lot of property in Ephesus and the surrounding areas, they owned a lot of the businesses. So if you needed a loan to build your house, you needed some sort of support, you would become part of the cult to get the financial support. But can we have the next slide, please? This is the statue of Diana. It's an interesting thing. Underpinning this diner is, is much sexuality. We're going to speak about a lot of the debauchery that was happening in the city. She was the, the, the goddess of fertility. Those are either breasts to feed the support or, excuse, bull's testicles. Those are what the, the theologians say. Don't shoot me. Shoot a cow. And um, they, uh, but this, this city is underpinned by a spirituality that's become debauched, that's become chaotic and being ripped apart by demonic forces, by all sorts of things. And we've got to draw the parallels as we go through the Bible to our context, to our city, a melting pot of culture, a melting pot of religions, a fighting for what is truth and what is right in a day of postmodernism where people say there is no truth, there is no valid truth. We, Ephesus is a lot like our city. 
And Paul goes on this journey, and he starts out in Antioch, and he he goes across, um, and he has to run away from Thessalonica where he preaches the gospel and riots start. Gabe said wherever Paul went, it was either revival or riots, sometimes both. So a riot starts, and he has to go, and he leaves, and he goes to Athens, and he preaches in the Areopagus. And he's accused by the guys there of preaching um, of foreign divinities. You know that amazing scripture, in him we live and move and have our being, is a, is a preach that Paul is doing there. And they accuse him of preaching foreign divinities. So he has to preach, he, he's accused and he has to leave and he goes to Corinth where he stays for 18 months. Just telling you his journey. And it says he teaches the word of God amongst them. For 18 months he just deposits, like Wally and Shirls going in for three months, just depositing and then he moves on again. And he leaves with two people, Priscilla and Aquila. We're going to talk about these people, but they're business people. They're not preachers. They're just business people. And they are used powerfully. Apollos is preaching in Ephesus as they've stayed behind in Ephesus. And it says he uses Priscilla and Aquila to show them the greater degrees of the the gospel, to correct Apollos and Apostles' theology. Just business people like you and me. Well, you. And me, a couple of years ago. And, um, but he sends these people in, and then Paul goes to Ephesus, and he, he doesn't just preach, he goes into the city hall of Ephesus. He goes into the town center of this Ephesus, and he begins to preach. He begins to preach against foreign gods. He begins to preach, and he begins to preach a gospel, and he preaches it for, for two years. It's like pitching up in a city. Town Hall of Cape Town, and just preaching the gospel for two years, knocking against every idol, taking down every truth that holds itself up against the glory of God, just preaching, and after two years, a church erupts, and a church is birthed as people give their lives to God, and he leaves them with Priscilla Aquila and Timothy, the guy who wrote 1 and 2 Timothy. He says, I'm going to leave you these gifts. I have to go. But a church is birthed, a church is planted, and the story begins of Ephesians. He goes back to Rome. And he writes this book, the book of Ephesians, to a church he loves. To a church he loves so much, he left Priscilla and Aquila. To a church he loves so much, he left his greatest disciple, Timothy. This book was written 10 years after he planted the church. He's sitting in prison in Rome. He says, I've heard some things about the Ephesian church. I want to write to them. I want to encourage them in their faith. I want to set them up for victory. He's learned a few things in suffering. He's learned a few things in captivity. He's learned a few things. And he writes a letter to a church that he loves. And I don't have time to work through. We're going to spend a lot of time in the scriptures and working through this scripture. But he starts out and he says, Paul, an apostle by the will of God to God's holy people. And he positions them, bang, in the first line. He says, you are holy and righteous. Doesn't mean what I've heard is, is not true. You are holy and righteous. Whenever Paul deals with a city, to the people in Mauritius, to the holy and righteous ones. God is positioning. And I'm on seven and a half minutes. And I'm not a lie. I just want to stir your juices. I don't want to preach this word to you. And you come here on Sundays and say, we're just going to hear what Mark says and that's enough. It'll take you 24 minutes to read through the book of Ephesians. If you read fast, about 18. If you read slow, about 32. But everyone can do it. And if you cannot read, ask someone to take the word of God and read it with you. Chapters 1 to 3 is about our position in God. Positioned. God tells us, 
because so many people start with what Christianity looks like, but Paul says actually it starts with what we believe, and what we believe determines how we live. And then he takes four to six. He doesn't start with four to six. How do you live it out? He starts with who you are, son, adopted. And there's these two great words in verse six of chapter two, but God. And he says, you were separated from God, you were foreigners, and you were aliens to the promise. You shouldn't receive anything. And all of us go, yes, that's our position. And there's these two amazing words, but God. But God, the love, the lavish, generous love of amazing king changes everything. And we're going to talk about the change. We're going to talk about what that is for us. But today, I'm literally just giving you a teaser to say, can you go read Ephesians? I know you're in your read your Bible through the year cycle. I think God will forgive you to take a moment and read Ephesians. I'm, I'm, I'm almost 100% sure. I'm just going to put that out there. But I want us to do this as a community. God wants to establish us in the knowledge of who he is and who we are in him so that we can impact a city. And that's our journey for the next little while. Is that good? God is establishing us. He's speaking to us. He's got us on a journey. So I ask, throw your hearts into this. Throw your time into this. Go buy a commentary. Go on the internet and find free commentaries because there's some clever guys out there who've made stuff available for all of us to grow. Don't say, I come to church, the preacher teaches me, and that's what I take away. It's too small. God is calling a people to maturity together. We're going to kick it off next week. Next week, we're going to have... The CBD bookshop guys here, they're going to set up a store at the back selling Ephesians commentaries. Just so we get strong. You know what? We've got to mature. So if you've got an extra buck, come and, and we'll try and make resources available. We'll do some photocopies. As we go in the series, I want you to take the Word of God, come under the Word of God and eat it and come strong. And then we'll go on mission together. Can I pray for you? Jesus, Thank you for the absolute privilege of being a part of your church. Thank you that your church is on a mission, so we send our best, like Wally and Shirley, to an island 90 meters by 30 meters, so your glory can come to the wealthy on the beaches and the poor under the bread line in the middle of an island, God. Thank you that it's Acts continued, it's Acts 29, that isn't in the Bible, but it's written in the hearts of men and women. Thank you that Ephesians was part of that story. It's not an irrelevant story written 2,000 years ago. It is alive and well in your word, and it's for us today. And I pray for an appetite for your word to come alive, even here. I pray where we have been easily distracted. I pray at this time you would give us the ability to be in your word, to feed on your word, to find strength in your word. I pray God be upon us as you set us up for the future that is glorious, for the future that is in you. We want to know who we are, God, and only you can reveal that. You're going to establish identities. You're going to rip out deformities. You're going to rip out lies in the series. You're going to rip off uh, orphan spirits. You're going to rip off lies at this time. You're going to break addictions as you establish men and women in the identity that you have put in place. So we love you, Jesus. We love you, Father. I thank you for every person here. I pray your blessing upon them. I pray your favor upon them. And I pray this week, make us effective for your gospel. We worship you, Jesus. Amen.